Yes, tonight is class 30, and Baruch Hashem, we are still in the middle of Perik Dalad, chapter 4 of Cheves of Shadi Betochen, of Cheves of, of, of from uh, Rabbeinu Bechai. And we've been talking about the seven areas of life in which you have to have Betochen in Hashem. We spoke about the first area, which was health stuff, stuff that has to do with your body, your person. Two, then we spoke about Parnosa stuff, you know, having a livelihood, money, paying bills. Three, we started speaking about our relationships with others, and that's what we've been talking about the past couple of nights. And as promised, everybody wanted to know, well, what about our enemies? What about the people we're fighting with? Are we going to talk about those people too? Because Rebbein Rechaia mentions them when he gives a list of all of our different relationships. He mentions, he mentions enemies in the list of relationships. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about our relationships with our enemies. All right. Um, let's jump right in. In terms of his enemies and those who are envious of him, they call them today haters. You're haters. And those who seek his bad, they seek harm for him. Three categories there. Yivtach binyonehem ala beta yisale. He should trust in the Creator regarding them. Viyisbil cherposam, and he should endure their scorn. Okay, that's it. Oh, you thought Rabbeinu Bechayu was going to tell you how to get vengeance on your enemies? No, you didn't even think that. Of course, you knew Rabbeinu Bechayu was going to tell us. Let it go. It's not your problem. Let Hashem deal with it. That's it. That's the biggest bitochen. Because, you know, bitochen really is letting Hashem be Hashem. Letting Hashem do His job so we can do our job. And by the way, what's our job? A little foreshadowing here, but that's the next thing we're going to get into. Is We're going to, make, we're going to transition for the, from the first three categories to the second set of... Four categories. Remember, we said there's seven matters that we're dealing with, and these these are in Yona Elam Haze, secular matters, worldly matters. When we're going to deal with the spiritual matters, then there's a little bit more of an onus on us because of free will. You know, moral free will. You you can't rely on Hashem to make you a mensch. You got to become a mensch. But when it comes to worldly matters, meaning how the world is treating me, how life is treating me, you got to really just make, you make the vessel like we spoke about, and then you got to let go and let God, let Hashem run things. So I don't think anyone's surprised here that Rebbeinu B'chai is telling us when it comes to people who we are in a strained relationship with, just let it go, don't try to get any revenge, and in fact, don't even, don't even try to stop them, just endure their scorn. Don't pay them back what they are due. But rather, bestow kindness upon them. And he should do for them any favor that he can do. Do a favor for your enemy. And he should remember that his well-being and his injury are in the hands of the Creator. May he be exalted. What's the point here? 
The point is, why do you call this person your enemy? Because they hurt you? They hurt you. They didn't hurt you. Nobody can do anything to you. No, you were hurt. I'm not saying, God forbid, I'm not saying you weren't hurt. You were hurt. But they didn't cause something to happen to you. This is what we call not idolizing the people who hurt us. What do I mean not idolizing them? I don't idolize him. I, I, I hate him. Well, you turned him into an idol. What, is it, what does that mean? What's an idol? Idolatry is attributing uniquely godlike properties to anything or anyone other than God. Well, let me tell you the most uniquely godly property, at least when it comes to our lives, and that is that Hashem is the sole author of our story. The minute that we think that some other character in our story has assumed authorship over our story, that's turning that person into an idol. Meaning, if we really, really believe everything was fine, my life was on one sort of direction, one course, and then one day I ran into so-and-so and they did this damage to me, and now, since that time, you know, my life's not my life, everything got knocked off course, and whatever Hashem had planned for me, now it's all, it's all lost. Okay, so basically you're saying that this person became a co-author. They assumed co-authorship over your life. Uh, in fact, not only on par with Hashem, but more powerful than Hashem, because Hashem had one plan for you, and now that, that plan's gone because of this person's bad choice. So that is really idolizing the victimizer, the abuser, the offender. We have to take that idolatrous power away from them. And we can take it from them because we gave it to them. We're the ones who casted them in that role of co-author of our lives. We have to take that away. We have to say that's not true. The way he describes it in uh, Tanya, the Alter Rebbe talks about it at length in Igeras HaKedish, Simen Chavhei. So over there he speaks at length about how, well, it, it first he introduces the biblical story of uh, David HaMelech and Shimi ben Gero, that Shimi ben Gero cursed David. And David said that Hashem made him curse. Hashem told him to curse. When did Hashem tell him to curse? And uh, the Alter Rebbe explains, well, everything that exists in this world is because of Dvar Hashem. Hashem is speaking the world into being every single second. So this, that, Shimi ben Gedo was able to curse David was only because Hashem spoke the world into being in such a way at that moment that included that aspect of reality that Shimi was cursing David. In other words, Hashem made it happen. Now hold on a second, there's no free choice? There's no free choice? This person cursed me, that's an Aveda, he'll be punished. Yeah, he will be punished, that's true. There, there is free choice and he's accountable for his free, free choice and he'll be punished for misusing his free choice. But what does it have to do with you? What does it have to do with you? The fact that it happened, that was already decreed by Hashem. The fact that this person made a bad choice, that's between them and Hashem, and they have to do teshuva. But you don't have to be the one to monitor and, and supervise and make sure that your victimizer does teshuva. So that's the great freedom of bitochen, 
when it comes to interpersonal relationships, especially in those relationships that are strained, especially when they're strained because people have hurt us, the great freedom is you don't have to be your victimizer's parole officer anymore. You don't have to keep tabs on them and make sure they get their comeuppance or that they repented or they're truly sorry. It's not my business. It has nothing to do with me. Whatever happened to me is between me and Hashem. And whatever bad choices they made, that's between them and Hashem. And they're going to have to sort it out. But that's, leave me out of it. I don't have to be part of their teshuva process. Remember we spoke about it a few lessons ago? The three card monte. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that muscle. And also about the, uh, the Milgram experiment. Yeah? Remember we're giving metaphors to explain the paradox of how there could be absolute hashkacha pratis on one hand and free choice simultaneously on the other hand. And basically what we said is that nobody controls outcomes, only Hashem controls what actually happens. So therefore, where is human accountability? Human accountability is over your choice. And we sort of lump together a choice with causation. Well, it's not really causation because a person can't force Hashem's hand and make something happen that Hashem doesn't want to happen. Rather, it's like we said, Megalgun zakai, and Megalgun That when somebody is in a good place in life, they are zaycha, they merit to be the deliverer of good stuff. And when they're in a dark place, they are the deliverer of bad stuff. And it, it, it's not to justify it, does it. I mean, they still are accountable for their choices, but it sheds light on it. You know, hurt people hurt people. Right? You heard that before? Hurt people hurt people. People who have been hurt end up hurting others. Not that they're doomed to do so, and not that it exempts them, that they continue the cycle of abuse. But I'm just saying, it, 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 it explains it. Explains it. Um, and, and therefore, the upshot of this is that I can be completely 100% confident that whatever it is that happened to me, harm, I'm talking about negative things that happened to me, through the agency of other people, all of that stuff was exactly what Hashem intended for me, for my benefit, to uplift me. And I would never wish it on somebody else because somebody else's harm can never benefit me. In fact, I wouldn't wish it on myself, <laughs> but after it's already happened to me, I wouldn't wish it away. Couldn't wish it away. This is what I needed. And some people come into my life as teachers, other people come into my life as lessons. Some very important thing that I learned. Some people come into my life as teachers, they share wisdom with me. Other people come into my life as lessons, a hard learned lesson. But we grow from everything. Everything's a growth experience. And, and, and most importantly, everything is bashert. It's all orchestrated. Hashem is lovingly and wisely orchestrating it all. And they're not making anything happen to us that's not supposed to happen to us. That's the most important thing. So bitachin in our interpersonal relationships, even in those relationships that caused us great pain, especially in those relationships that caused us great pain.
let's uh, let's continue here. If his enemies cause him injury, he should think good about them. And he should suspect himself and his deeds of having been previously evil in Hashem's sight. The Nether Bakedah says you should judge these people favorably because it's possible, possible, would we admit at least that it's possible that the person who hurt us was actually in the right and we simply don't see our own faults. There is such a concept that kol nige odam roya chutz me'atzme that a person, a coin, the Mishnah is talking about a coin who has to observe the negoyim, the lesions on a person with tzeras. So he can analyze them if they're on somebody else, but not on himself. But uh, the vort is that uh, you see fault in others, sometimes you can't see it in yourself. You just don't see your own faults. Adam Kariv Eitzelatzme, a person is his own relative, we're consummately biased, and we just sometimes we don't see our own faults. Now, let, let me offer this. You know, maybe it's not so black and white. And Neder Bekedish is saying, I thought I was the innocent victim, and they were, really, they were really the innocent victim, and I'm the persecutor, and I didn't even realize it, which is possible, by the way. It's possible. You know that book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, something, Dale Carnegie? I read like the first five pages, I think, and uh, years ago. Anyways, I remember, the po- I don't know if he had other points in the book, but I remember the first five pages, basically, nobody thinks he's the bad guy. Nobody thinks he's the bad guy. Nobody says, I'm the one here to destroy the world. No, everyone says, I'm the one here to save the world, right? I'm the good guy. They're persecuting me. So what's the point? The point is that maybe I'm the bad guy. I mean, I'm not saying I am, but I'm just saying, at least as a thought experiment, it's possible, right? And then I'll, I'll offer something else. And, and this is a little bit of a gray area. The Nether Bekeid is just saying, maybe I'm the bad guy and he's the good guy. I thought I was a good guy, he's the bad guy. Maybe it's the, op- the opposite. And I'll offer this. I'll say, and maybe this is what the Nether Bekeidish actually means, but I'll say, and maybe it's not so simple. Maybe nobody's the good guy and nobody's the bad guy. In other words, when somebody hurt me, especially if they hurt me in a really serious way, my interpretation of the story is I was a victim. They were the bad guy. And the truth is, I'm not saying all the time, I'm not saying all the time, certainly there are stories where people are truly, they had nothing to do with it, you know, especially stories of children, God forbid, that, you know, terrible things happened to them. Obviously, they did not bring it on themselves. But, um, so there are stories truly where a person is a complete victim and they did not do anything to be at fault whatsoever. However, there are scenarios where there's a little bit of fault on both sides, right? That's why in some states there's no such thing as a no-fault accident because there's always a little bit of fault, right? And In other words, the point here, by the way, is not even to assign blame. That's not even what we're getting into. The point is when I've been hurt, one thing I can do to sort of lighten up is to say, hold on a second. 
Okay, maybe they're more wrong than I'm wrong, but maybe I did a little something. You know, sometimes we step on other people's toes and we don't even realize it. And then they retaliate against us. And sometimes the, the, the retaliation is disproportionate, right? And that's, that, that's true. They up, you know, they escalate it. So, you know, again, I'm not saying the other person is the tzaddik, but I'm saying sometimes we had a role and we don't even see our role. We don't realize how we, we, we provoked people. So uh, that, that's just a, something to consider as well. And uh, finally, Rebbeinu Bechaya, what does he tell us about dealing with our enemies? And uh, we shouldn't even call them enemies. Enemies in English, just it sounds like, you know, <laughs> it's a very, I don't know, it sounds, uh, it's a very condemning term here. This, you know, there's no condemnation here. That's the whole point. It's not, it, there is no condemnation. So what should he do? Yishanin elhu alakim, he should plead before Hashem. Yevakish melafon of lechaper of Enesov, he should ask him to forgive his sins. A little interesting flip, flip the script over there. I'll explain this in a second. Vaz yashuvu evav lavose, and then his enemies will become his friends. Kamesha amara chacham, like the wise man said, Yertseis Hashem darche ish. When Hashem is pleased with a man's ways, he makes his enemies be at peace with him. Okay, I want to be very careful. I want to tread very lightly here. Um, obviously, we're not saying that anytime somebody was hurt by others, that, he, that the victim himself has to do some soul searching. I'm not saying that. There are clearly situations where a person is 100% innocent and People hurt them anyway. And then you can ask, well, why does that happen? Well, we spoke about in, in chapter 3, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Right? We spoke about that at length. We spoke about it more regarding Parnosa, but we said in general the philosophical question of you know, why the innocent should suffer. So we've already spoken about that, and we said it's extremely complex, and there are reasons, there are reasons why, why it happens. So that's not, that's not the point here. The point is not why uh, you know, an innocent person would suffer. Okay, the, the, the point here is that let's say it's a case where I'm not 100% innocent. Now maybe it's they're 99% wrong and I'm only 1% wrong, right? Like what they did to me was disproportionately worse than what I did to them, right? I, uh, you know, I flicked their ear and they, you know, punched me in the nose. Or, you know, I flicked their ear and they shot me in the face, right? Disproportionate, right? But that's, again, that's none of my business. What, what good does that do me to do their moral inventory? Nothing. Nothing at all. I have to go to myself and I have to say like this. Look, maybe, just maybe, again, and not saying I brought it on myself, but I'm saying if I were more spiritually fit... Um, my, my interpersonal relationships would be going smoother as well. And that's what it's saying here. So it's, it's flips it. it. It just flips it. It's instead of me thinking about, well, that guy's bad. That guy has to do teshuva. Which, by the way, maybe he does. It's very probable he actually does have to do teshuva for the bad thing he did to you. But again, I don't care. I need to keep my side of the street clean. Okay? So maybe he does have to do teshuva. But I don't care about his teshuva. Let him do teshuva. Okay, please, leave me out of it. Especially if he's a cruel, twisted person who messed with me. I don't want to be part of his teshuva process. Like, <laughs> I mean, God bless him and keep him far away from me. The point is, 
my teshuva, my teshuva. And if I can mine my own pain for some spiritual treasure and, and find an opportunity to do some soul searching, you know, that's invaluable. I'll tell you about one of the most clever spiritual tools that I know about. It's called uh, the fourth step in the 12-step program. And it's a, it's a moral inventory. And part of the moral inventory is the resentment list. The resentment list is very, very clever the way it's done because there's columns. So the first column is just go back through your life and list everybody you have a beef with. You know, your kindergarten teacher called you stupid, right? Put, a, put them on there, right? Everyone, family, friends, institutions, religion, God, anything, fear nothing. If you have a beef with them, if you have a resentment, write it down. Write it down. Then the next column, what did they do to you? Oh, I have no problem telling you that either. I could tell you what they did, right? I'll tell you their sin. Then go a little bit deeper. What part of you did that hurt? What part of you did that threaten? You know, what part of my ego was threatened? You know, was it my self-esteem? Was it my sense of security? You know, the part of me that was, was taken away or threatened by what they did. And now, once I'm hovering around my own ego and starting to unpack it, I ask the more painful question, but this is where the real treasure is, in what way did I put myself out there to be hurt? And again, I'm not saying there are not situations where somebody is completely an innocent victim, because there are situations where someone's completely an innocent victim, especially like a story with, with, with children. But there are, there are situations, some situations, where as adults, we can find a little bit of our own role in the drama. And again, it's, it doesn't mitigate. It has nothing to do with it. It's not like I'm writing a letter to the judge and saying, dear judge, please be lenient on my abuser because I want to tell you what I... No, no, no. <laughs> Again, it has nothing to do with them. This is not for them. They're not going to know about this. This is for me. This is for me. I got hurt. Now I want to mine that experience for spiritual treasure. One thing I can do is I can start to analyze myself, especially if I see patterns. That's very, very helpful if I see patterns. Like, do I keep putting myself out to be hurt in the same way over and over again? You know, that, there's that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Do I keep putting myself out to be hurt in the same ways by the same kinds of people. Again, it doesn't absolve them. It does not absolve them for doing it. They're still wrong for taking advantage of it. But I don't care about that. That's not going to help me have a spiritual awakening. My spiritual awakening is going to happen when I figure out how come I keep getting in these situations where the same kinds of people do the same kind of bad stuff to me. And again, it, it, I'm saying it for the hundredth time. It doesn't make it all right that they did it. Not at all. But I don't care about that. Right now I'm trying to figure out, trying to get some insight into my situation that'll help me grow as a person, help me get closer to Hashem. And if there's ego stuff and my own, you know, my own insecurities are causing me to do foolish things. Basically, let's put it in, in language of betochen. Because of my lack of relationship with Hashem, I've been looking to fill certain needs in my relationship with people. People are unreliable, people are imperfect, and sometimes people can even do evil things. And because I'm trying to get needs met that can really only be met in my relationship with Hashem, and I try to get those needs met in human relationships, I keep getting hurt. 
And it's not excusing them for hurting me. But it's very helpful for me to at least see, to be aware, what is it that I keep looking for? And how is it that I keep getting hurt? And if I can become aware of that and then go back to my relationship with Hashem and, and realize that I'm complete and I'm secure and I'm taken care of and I'm validated and I'm good already because of this relationship that I have, oh, now I'm finally free. Now I'm finally free. Now I'm free that next time the, the red flags get lifted and, 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 and you know, I see that warning bells are going off or I hear warning bells going off or, and I see somebody's unhealthy. I actually have the ability to stop and say, oh, no, no, I'm not doing this again. No, I'm better than that. I owe myself more respect than that. You see? So it's, it's interesting how Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar flips it that, you know, one of the ways that I close up these wounds is my own introspection, my own teshuvah. What do they have to do tshuva? Yeah, maybe they do. They probably do. They hurt you. That, that's a sin to hurt someone, so they probably do have to do tshuva. But I, I don't care about their tshuva. I care about mine. Sorry to say. Sorry to be blunt. Anyway. They say that uh, a resentment against somebody, having a resentment against somebody is like drinking poison so that they will die. A grudge only hurts the person who carries it. Nobody ever called me at 3 in the morning while I was up thinking about the people who hurt me. I never got a call at 3 in the morning from somebody saying, please stop thinking about me. I can't sleep. It didn't happen. They're sleeping like a baby. I'm the one who can't sleep, right? Or like Dear Abby said, uh, having a resentment against somebody is giving rent-free space in your head to someone you don't even like. So, Bitochen frees us from that. Bitochen makes us free from that. And we can move on, we can heal, and we can even use the, uh, the experience, the painful experience. Look, you already, pray, you already paid the price of admission, you know? We already went through the pain, so we, we might as well mine it for, for spiritual gold introspection, looking, you know, figuring out our side of it. Again, not to excuse what they did. I hope that's 100% abundantly, you know, clear here. This is not about victim blaming, God forbid. This is not about mitigating what people, you know, the wrong things that people do when they victimize others. This is, you know, and, and by the way, in a just society, you know, there has to be accountability. So, you know, there are different roles we play. You know, sometimes people who are dangerous to others have to be brought to accountability, right? And even then, there's nothing personal about it. It's just, you know, it's a safety issue, right? But uh, what we're talking about here is not even any of that. What we're talking about is in our own personal spiritual growth, if we've been hurt in the past, and all of us have been hurt by somebody, right? Nobody gets through life having been hurt on some level. You know, if we want to know, what do, now what do you do with that? What do you do with that experience in terms of your spiritual growth? 
You know, this is, this is the formula. This is the formula. We, we take away the idol, the idol status, the status of being, you know, the godlike power from the person who hurt us. We remind ourselves that really Hashem did it. You want to be angry at Hashem for a little bit because you were angry at them when you thought they did it. Now you realize Hashem did it, so you're angry at Hashem. Okay, I'm giving you permission. It's better to be angry at Hashem for a minute and stop being an idol worshiper. Because when you realize it was really Hashem, you'll be angry at Hashem for a minute. Then you're going to realize Hashem knows what he's doing. And if a person would do that to you, they, they, the person doesn't know what they're doing. So why do they do it to you? But if Hashem does it to you and he knows exactly what he's doing, okay, all right. And again, I want to repeat something we say in almost every class. This is not for you to say to anyone else. If somebody tells you that somebody hurt them, don't tell them, well, really, Hashem did it to you, and therefore it's for the best. Don't ever, ever, ever say that to somebody. But we say it to ourselves. We say it to ourselves. And uh, somebody's asking here, if you get to the point of being so self-sufficient that you only rely on Hashem, then what can you expect from friends and relatives? especially a spouse, expect. You know what they say? Expectations are premeditated resentments. Don't expect anything. Only expect from Hashem. Love people. Bond with people. But don't rely on people. When we put our reliance 100% on Hashem, we become free to have genuine relationships with other human beings. No more user relationships. No more, what do you call it, the barter, where we're trading one thing for another. We can just love them for fun and for free, which is, you know, the way to live. And it's amazing when we don't need people how, how much it enriches our, rela our relationships with people. Yeah. Okay.